Hello and welcome to the Sensing the Wild podcast. My name is Lee Nicholson and I am your presenter. I work for a community interest company called Going for Independence, which is based in the Redcar and Cleveland area in the beautiful northeast of England. We work with people with sight loss and other disabilities and our founder member and MD is Pam Bennett. We're having a, a beach walk today and we're going to be going from the Stray Cafe along the promenade and maybe onto the beach down to Redcar and the Vertical Pier. I'm meeting Jackie Watson who is the Wilder Coast Officer from the Tees Valley Wildlife Trust and Jackie looks after education and has tours with volunteers who will be counting the wading birds that visit our coastline in this region. Hopefully we'll be talking about sandpipers and turnstones and sandlings and maybe some oyster catchers and eider ducks and various other species of wading bird. There's a very big flock of eiders off Majuba Road and off the Beacon and amongst them, laid on specially for you, is uh, a northern eider if it's showing but you can tell the difference because it's got a yellow beak build and they can be seen in groups all the way along to Saltburn so if you look out to sea and you see um, a great big bunch of black ducks sitting on the water that will likely be common scoter but if you see some bigger ones hanging about on the outskirts they'll be the velvet scoter I mentioned the scoter big groups of black ducks, velvet scorter a bit bigger. I mentioned the eiders, they are the snootiest looking duck. Yeah, <laughs> yes, inscrutable duck, that's what they are. Um, at this time of year, there are birds around called diamonds. I have, just to make it hard for you, they're all pretty much the same colour um, and they're not doing their thing. So there is a diver that has a red throat in the spring, can you guess what that's called? Red-throated yes, diver. Yes, there's one that has a black-throat in the spring. <laughs> the same. Black-throated diver. And there's one that's bigger than the others, and that's your Great Northern Diver. Mm. Uh, put a picture of a Great Northern Diver on the back of your sheet there. So if you look at the colouring there, it's kind of a dark grey with a white throat. Yeah. So they all look pretty much like that at this time of year. But the Great Northern Diver has got that bump on the head yeah, and the others don't have that. So there you go. There's a little bird. There's oh, there. A What's really that? Well, pied wagtail. Okay. And you know what? It doesn't matter how often I see them. I'm still pleased to see yeah, them. Yeah, tiny little bird, about are. the size of a sparrow, and they've got a very long tail. And as it walks along, it sort of juts its head backwards and forwards very quickly, and the tail wags up and down as it goes. It's so sweet. And as they. Um, as they fly up to sit on a fence or to yeah. sit on a bush or yeah. and hear the groins, uh, they chirp. They chirp. So sometimes you hear the chirp and oh. you think, and you have to look around them to yeah. find the white tail. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. on the walks before Rita? Yes I have, well, the last one was at Seaton Carew. Oh right. So obviously it was before the lockdown. Was yes, it? Yeah. Yes. 
It's good when somebody spots a bird and you look in the same direction as they're looking. In fact, we've just seen a pied wagtail. Now, that's the first pied wagtail that I've seen. Right, okay. We found ring plovers. They are so sweet. They're okay. one of my favourites. Yes. But Lee, I say that about all the birds. I know, you love them. I know, you do. <laughs> they're still there, aren't they? They're flying that way, Rita. They're just flying above the waves, But they're just, aren't they? just above the waves and they're catching the light and they're glittering, aren't they? There must Lovely. be about 30 of them yeah. there. They're very sweet. They have, you, the way to spot them is that they have a white collar and it goes all the way around their neck in a ring. Oh, right, okay. And superficially, people get them mixed up with turnstones. Yes. But if you look for that ring, ring. Look, for the ring. look for the white yes. ring. Okay. Turnstone there, Jackie. We've got a turnstone. Yeah. Luckily, that collie dog's running away from him, not towards him. Yeah. He's got bright orange legs. He's looking very smart, isn't he? Yes, He's got he a white is. front, black yes. bib, and then quite a mockily black back and head. He's running around between those lugworm cats. They almost look like the little hovercrafts. You can't actually <laughs> see the legs moving. They move that they quickly. Do. What I love there is just seeing the reflected turnstone underneath him. Yes. Isn't that lovely? It is. Are yeah. they like solitary birds? Then? Absolutely not. No. He, he is, but yeah. they, no, they're often in groups, but right. you can see them on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they seem to be adapting a little bit. These days you can see them on the seawall, hanging about with the starlings, really? eating chips. It's incredible. Yeah. They're and very tight, they get down here. As I say, I saw some hanging around in the stubble field with curlews just last week. Fantastic. Yeah. But they're, they're actually quite bold. Uh, mm. If you stand still and you're amongst some seaweed that a turnstone is interested in, yes. they will just run will past you. Run past you. Yeah, so would they be deterred by the dogs, Jackie? Because I know that there is a lot of dogs on this beach and there is. I know they do mm. chase the wading birds and it's a they real do. problem. We're sure that people, that people don't realise it's a mm. problem. Nobody, I'm sure, would harm the birds if they, if they did no, realise. No, of course not. But in fact, if a dog runs towards wading birds and the birds fly up, the owners are going to think, well, they're not catching the birds. And the birds come down again and, yes. and no harm's been done. Yes. But actually it has. It has. Because yeah. they've, during that time they're in the air, they're not eating. And they're using energy. They may have a really short opportunity to feed in the short winter days. Mm -hmm. At the end of the winter, they might be in quite poor condition. And not really be up to migrating all that way north to the of Arctic course, to breed. Yeah. So it's quite serious. I know, I know I've heard you talk about getting calories in to the birds before. And sometimes they'll take bigger risks. They will seem to be quite bold. Mm. And it's actually that they're just really, really hungry really and they're desperate. Hungry. And yeah. you might think they're, they're getting tame yes. and they're adapting, but actually they're desperate to eat. Yes. And so that they won't flee as, from a predator or a suspected predator as as fast as yes. they would have done otherwise. I mean, I know you've been doing a lot of work with mm. the owners of dogs of late, haven't you? We have. We've got our ambassador dogs, <laughs> <laughs> our flagship dogs, uh -huh. um, who kind of pledge to yeah. wiggle round the wading birds. Yeah. And uh, that's what we want everybody to do. Just to, We certainly don't want to stop dogs going on the beach. That would get nature no, lovers a very press, bad name, absolutely. wouldn't it? And it would be impossible. And we don't want that. We want people to be on the beach, enjoying mm. the enjoying themselves, the dogs will be running around, but we want them to just notice when the birds are there mm. and try and stay clear. Ah, yeah. That's great work. So we're much nearer to the waves now, and we've got some little sandalings running along like little clockwork birds. Amazing, aren't, aren't they? they lovely? Mm. And they're chasing the very edge of the, of the water because yeah. 
they're after the invertebrates that are in the wet sand and they're kind of draining away down there and then we've also got the turnstones again which are quite a bit bigger and turnstones will turn stones over really and seaweed mm. they get their heads in and they sort yeah. of flick it to one side and have a look look at them go i think actually they're walking fast because they're walking away from this lady that's coming up behind them right, yeah. but she hasn't got a dog so there's a good chance that they might just let her yeah. walk past yeah i think if you keep walking they kind of know that you're not a threat but sometimes if you stop that's when mm -hmm. they yeah, seem to get worried. Yeah. It's a black-headed bull that's not wearing its black head at the moment. I don't know if you can see there's a little black spot behind his eye yeah. and that's what tells you that he's a black-headed bull and he's got fantastic red legs. Yeah he's got red legs. Yeah. Really good red legs and a red bill. Oh the ring clovers are amongst them as well look at that. <laughs> there's a what? The, the ring, ring clovers, clovers are there as well. So what we've this got here, these have come from the plastics industry. Mm -hmm. So when oil is turned into plastics, oh. this, this is the basically the product that they make that they then sell on to the people who make things out of plastic. So these, these can be stored in tankers and transported and put through pipes almost as if they were a liquid, if you see. So oh, that wow. it's how they transport plastic around the world. Wow. Unfortunately, many of them escape and they've been escaping wow. for 50 Long odd time. years yeah, now yeah. so when I was a kid this beach was covered in them and they were all bright yeah. colours and mm. we used to collect them oh, and we well, thought they yeah. were really pretty mm. but now a lot of the ones you see are faded to a horrible sort of mm. brown or mm. white like these mm. and they're all still out there in the mm. sea and they're being added oh, to all the time obviously they look like food to yeah, a marine actually, animal they do, yeah. and they get eaten yeah. that's bad enough that yeah. they're eating plastic but the yeah. even worse part of it is that they um, they attract algae and yeah. then toxins attached to it so that yeah. they're really quite toxic things they're not just yeah. sort of inert plastic so we're looking at those and they're probably about maybe three millimeters across mm. about the size yeah. of the nettle that's a good yeah some of them are a little bit more egg shaped mm. they're all about this sort of size mm. um so obviously we can't remove every nerdle from the beach no no but i do like people to come out and look for them and, and gather and some because it's evidence that's yes, what it is. is and then we can send that information in yeah. via the great nerdle hunt right. oh, I which, and then then that can be used in campaigning right. um, to name and shame the people that are still releasing okay. them. The, the people who are campaigning on it okay. are, are the Great Nerdle Hunt. The Great Nerdle yeah. Hunt. And they, will, they are the ones right. that are pestering the Environment Agency. <laughs> the Environment Agency are interested in those blue sponge balls. Oh, if you yes. ever see the tiny yes, blue sponge balls, yeah. Yeah. sides of big marble. Mm. They're, they're called proggy balls. And they're used in the, the sort of scrubbing in the filters in the nuclear power stations. They, they shouldn't be toxic, but, but they shouldn't escape either. And has there been any studies, Jackie, of birds eating these then? Would they go for just food? I don't know whether birds pick them up, but mm. fish do. Fish do, yes. right. Yeah. yeah. But birds, as we know, birds do eat plastic. Right, yes. So. Mm. Teesside University asked me <laughs> if I could supply them with dead birds really? um, if, yeah. if, so that they could do some dissections to oh, see right. what our birds and our right. beaches right. Right. Uh, got in their stomachs. Yeah. Hi Jackie, I was wanting to ask you a few questions about the wind turbines. There is some plans to extend them out to Doggerbank. 
and I was just wondering if you could maybe answer some questions about the seabirds at risk of any collision with the wind turbines. Well, before the wind farm was built, there was a study, and this would always happen, and they must have concluded that the risks were acceptable. We know that there is some bird strike, but I'm not aware of a study that's studied this one to see what's oh. happening. Occasionally birders tell me that birds are washed up and they look as if they might have been hit by something. I see. But there's always going to be a lot that we don't see. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of an unknown. It's nice to read about possible technology to help prevent that mm -hmm. so that there's been this suggestion that even just painting one blade of a wind turbine black could potentially reduce the bird strike. Right. Um, Is that something to do with the vision of the bird? I, I honestly don't know but yeah. I'm really going to keep an eye on I that think, because it's interesting. I think I read something about it. The birds can catch the black blade in their peripheral field vision okay. so that gives them a sense of movement right. yes. and to move away from the area but as I say, it needs a lot more reading than what I've That, that makes sense, but it would be nice to think that something like that would work because you could yes. see that, that that's something that could be built into the manufacture of these Absolutely. things for the future. and a simple solution. Yeah. We just have to look at the bigger picture, mm -hmm. which is climate sustainable, change. Sustainable, sustainable yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so there is a balance to be struck there. there and is. then the other thing is that around the bottoms of the wind farms, yes, when they're built, there's a lot of disturbance to the seabed, mm -hmm. but after that, it's a relatively undisturbed part of the seabed mm. and there can be a lot of regeneration and sort of natural reefs forming there yes. um, which can be really good news for shellfish and yes. the whole food chain. Yes. I know that on the, the Tees Nature Conference which was just this last month it did suggest that there may be a possibility of having an oyster farm underneath the wind turbines. Have you heard anything like that, Jackie? I haven't heard that one. No. No. <laughs> you must have been yes. at a different it workshop be, to me. <laughs> it, might, it might be this idea that's mm -hmm. going to grow, but mm -hmm. they were saying about the amount of litres of water that the oysters that actually filter, filter mm. which is a great thing because we're going to get cleaner waters possibly through that's having the oysters there. That's an idea. And then possibly food for birds, but that's really near the wind turbines again, isn't it? So there's a little bit of an anomaly there. Well, I guess the, it would be shellfish that would be in the food chain, it would which ultimately would be good for birds. Yes, that's it, yeah. 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 So I was just going to ask you as well about the marine review. What, what information can you give me about that review that you're writing at the moment? Do you mean the, the, the Wildlife Trust Marine yes, Review? Yes. Oh, well, each year, uh, for the last three years, the Wildlife Trusts have got in touch with all the Wildlife Trusts around the country, mm -hmm. and they've put together a re marine review of the top stories from, from that year, good and bad, and it's a way of making a really big splash in the mainstream media just mm -hmm. after Christmas, oh, and, and really getting to people focused mm -hmm. on what's happening to the marine environment. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all part of the Wildlife Trust nationally to achieve living seas, to achieve recovery of the marine environment. And one of the examples of what we're trying to achieve is to get highly protected marine areas. Not just protected marine areas, yes. but highly protected marine areas, mm. which would really be no-take zones, no, you know, there wouldn't be any fishing, no trawling, no, um, no pipelines, and no dumping of stuff either, and sort of restrict the recreational activity for mm -hmm. things that weren't damaging. But that won't happen in this area, will it? Because obviously we we rely so much on industry. It in would the be, um, it would be have to be a bit further a bit out. Further I've, um, out. A good example of 
where that's been seen to work is off the Isle of Arran, the no-take zone in Lamlash Bay. If people are interested in what Lamlash Bay. Lamlash Bay on Arran, mm-hmm. um, they've had a no-take zone for a few years and right. the results have been spectacular. Have you don't have to leave the seabed alone for very long for amazing things to happen. That's great. Thanks very much for talking to us today, Jackie. It's been really informative and thanks yeah. to the volunteers as well that's come along and enjoyed our walk today. We've seen some wonderful birds. We have. And, um, and hope been... to see you soon. Okay. And if there's anything that you want our listeners to do that they can help protect Ooh. marine wildlife, yes. have you got any suggestions at all? Well, if you want to do it from the comfort of your armchair, mm-hmm. we've always got there are always petitions to be signed. It, it may yes. not feel like much, but it really does help us make our case. Yeah. Litter picking is always good. Always I good, have yes. roles for surveyors if uh-huh. they know anybody yeah. that would like to go out and survey. And, and Spreading the word to people about mm-hmm. what a special area this is mm-hmm. for the coast yeah. and how lucky we are yeah. and how other people can help protect it. Yeah. Spread the good news. Spread the good so news. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jackie. We have many overwintering birds in this region and we are now being informed about the diversity of the species coming here to feed from Jackie. A big thank you to her for her contribution in awareness raising about the issues affecting our coastal region. Did you know that the Teesmouth and Cleveland coast is a special protection area? It received the designation because it supports internationally important populations of the migrating species of water bird. We want to keep those birds coming, so it's critically important that we protect them. Jackie mentioned the Great Nurdle Hunt, and I'm going to give you the details of where you can report any litter findings of the blue sponge balls and the nettle-sized plastic beads, which are a threat to birds and other sea creatures' well-being. That's at www.nurdlehunt.org.uk, and I'll spell Nurdle Hunt. That's N-U-R-D-L-E-H-U-N-T dot org O-R-G dot U-K. Hey, and before we go, folks, let's give a roll of honour for those ambassadors who wear those fashionable blue neckerchiefs. You can see Betty and Rags and Ruby and Stan and Tally and Lolly and Molly and Meg and Millie and Willow and Daisy enjoying the beach, but not chasing those feeding birds. They have all trained hard to achieve their certificates. Well done to their owners, too. If you'd like more information about the scheme, you can email education at teeswildlife.org In our next podcast we will be featuring our seasonal workshops a reminder of all those things we have learned so far so I'm looking forward to speaking with Steve and Kate from our local wildlife trust again so until next month's podcast we can say farewell from myself Pam, Sophie and Chris and at the GFI Going for Independence team. Stay safe, everyone.